0: So, if I was starting today as a new solo, I would the do entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial
1: aspect. Have to change do. the no, way they're so practicing. So they
2: leader, You said they've done it earlier. Starting a small firm. It means to be Make fulfilled. Make it
1: easy to work yeah, with your sitting. clients.
2: New approach,
0: new tools, new mindset, new solo. And it's making
2: that leap. Making that leap. Making that leap.
1: Well, everyone, this is the episode all of you have been waiting for. Okay probably more like some of you have been waiting for, but I'm pretty excited about it. This is an all Mac issue slash special slash podcast that we're doing today. We're going to focus on Macs and I have two wonderful guests with me today. One of them you've heard from recently, Mr. Brett Burney, and another one I don't think I've ever had on New Solo. So I'm very excited to welcome Jeff Richardson. Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your great Macness?
2: Uh, sure. Uh, this is Jeff Richardson. I am an attorney in New Orleans. I actually do not work for a solo law firm. I work for just the opposite, a large law firm called Adams and Reese, which has offices all throughout, all, th- all throughout the southeastern portion of the country. But what I do know a lot about is, you know, technology and computers and stuff. I have a website called iPhoneJD.com, which I've been publishing since 2008 where I offer tips and tricks for using an iPhone and an iPad and other Apple mobile technology uh, in your law practice. In my personal law practice, I have gone back and forth. When I started up my law firm, we were an all-Mac law firm, hmm. which was very rare at the yeah. time and especially rare for large law firms. But um, we then switched in the early 2000s to a PC environment for all of the reasons that I know that we will discuss today, that for large law firms, it, also, it often makes sense to have PCs. So as we sit here today, I use a Mac at home whenever I'm working on anything at home or or playing at home. I have my Mac. I have my PC in my office, and then I have my Apple Mobile technology, my iPads, and my iPhones. So I use a little bit of everything and can talk about just about everything. So that's my quick little background.
1: Well, I think that's a great background, and I want to congratulate you on having such an amazing, long-running blog that is so popular And gives so much good information for those of you that are iPhone users, iPad users, Mac users. You've got to go to the iPhoneJD.com, subscribe, and be ready for regular updates. I don't know how you have so consistently put out, I think you do it weekly, right?
2: I have, you know, posts, you know, throughout the week. Ah. But the one thing that I do uh, regularly is every Friday I have a post called In the News where I talk about, you know, the things that I've seen in the past week that might be of interest to anyone who owns an iPhone or iPad or AirPods or any of those things, which, of course, is a large portion of attorneys. Yeah, yeah. And then after that post comes out every Friday, our co-host here today, uh, Brett Burney, and I record a podcast called In the News, the same title as mm-hmm. The Post, where Brett and I talk and uh, provide our commentary on the latest news that would be of interest to folks in this uh, and, you know, in, in, on these topics. And in fact, Brett and I just recorded our 100th episode of that oh, podcast. My gosh. We were happy to get there.
1: <laughs> I saw it. And um, the fact that you guys have this podcast is what inspired me to have you come on and talk about you know take a little microcosm of everything across your platforms and all the topics because I know I have tons of listeners that are Mac users and the more tips we can give them the better. Brett Burney, you're back?
0: I'm back and happy about that.
2: <laughs> this is this is um, great.
1: It's so real to be you're back. Here. <laughs> Our last podcast, which was just a couple months ago was on e-discovery for small firms. And I know that was a great welcome episode by many. So real quick, in case this is the first time someone is hearing about you from New Solo, let them know who you are.
0: I, I feel like I have to say that e-discovery is like my day job, right? Like that's the stuff yeah. that I have to do <laughs> from a consulting perspective a lot of times. Although that was an amazing time talking and sharing everything, Adriana. So thanks for having it me was. on there. This, though, with my podcast partner in crime, you too, Adriana, but with Jeff, this is my fun part of my job. I love, I've always enjoyed the technology side, just like J- Jeff, and we kind of nerd out together a little bit on some of these things. But yeah. um, working with a lot of lawyers on the technology side and the tools that they use certainly has been iPhones, probably more than anything else. Yep. Then the iPads came along, but I was fortunate to write a book for the ABA a few years ago, just based out of some work that I do working with lawyers that wanted to use Max, which, as you guys already addressed, uh, hasn't always been a lot of lawyers. In fact, it's been a very small percentage of lawyers, but boy, is it growing these days. Yeah. And it's just becoming so much more actionable. Like it, it's, it's, so, it's so much more approachable today and possible for lawyers to actually use Max. So this is a great topic. Thanks for having us on.
1: No, I'm happy to do it. For me, I get a lot of Mac users, no problem, because most of today's cloud-based technology is browser-agnostic, yep. device-agnostic, platform-agnostic. Right. So you really can practice mat- uh, practice law with, with whatever platform you'd like. Sometimes you might be beholden to your IT department, like Jeff is when he's right. at work. <laughs> right. And they have reasons for that. But there's no reason that you can't right. be what I call tech. I like to call myself bi as well. I have my Mac sitting here. I've got my PC. I've got everything. And why not just be good at all those different versions of technology? So let's just get that conversation out of the way real quick and just make it pretty clear that if you're a solo or small firm starting up and loading up and you want to use a Mac, there's very little technology today that is going to prevent you from using that. If you decide you still want to run WordPerfect, then we're going to have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but if you decide you're going to try to run Word Perfect on a on a Mac, don't even call me. Let me right, just put it
0: out. Right. That way. Yeah. So, I think you have some other problems you need to worry about yeah. on the professional side. If you're still looking to do Word Perfect at this point, but that's okay. We can we can still embrace it. But it's just I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> just right. But um, you know, the truth is that today's practice management programs, Microsoft 365, Google Workspace, all of today's basic and then some, especially legal specific technologies, are cloud based. Yes. So let's just get that out of the way, which is if you want to practice law with a Mac, you can. The one thing I will say is if you've been using a PC and you're deciding to switch to a Mac, you better be ready for a little come to Jesus party because <laughs> it's never as easy as you think. Right. So um, what I want to start by asking you, since we've already decided, yes, lawyers can practice law with a Mac. Yes. Tell us a little bit about just why would I choose a Mac over a PC? And then let's you know, if you can also just encourage people, it's not easy. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit of a learning curve. It's a so. learning
0: curve. Exactly.
1: exactly. Okay, so Let's go ahead. You know,
0: and I, I just want to quickly underscore that. I mean, one of the things that always held a lot of lawyers back several years ago from using a Mac was, what I call the lack of legal specific Mac software, right? So this is when we were all running desktop applications, right? When we only had Microsoft yep. Word you know, on the desktop, even though Microsoft used to make uh, Office for the Mac as well. But it would be things like time and billing software or document management software. And those things were built for the majority of lawyers mm-hmm which were using Windows at the time, right? And only a very small number of those software developers would even make software for the Mac operating system, which at the time required, you know, a whole lot of other developers and resources and stuff. But just to what you've you've said a couple of times already, Adriana, today with cloud-based software and most everything going to the cloud, it... It is absolutely possible. And in fact, I am continuing to see more and yeah. more lawyers starting to use the Mac just because it is so it is so uh, popular on that. But then now to get to your other question, and, and Jeff can jump in here as well, you know, there are several reasons that the main ones that I continue to see today that people would come to me and say, can I use a Mac in my practice? Number one is what I call the halo effect <laughs> from things like the iPhone and the sure. iPad. So. People, lawyers may be using Windows computers in their practice, but they may also be using an Apple iPhone. They've been using an iPhone for several years. They love it. It just works. Everything works great. They got an iPad because they love the iPhone so much. Maybe they got an an Apple Watch. They've gone to the Apple stores, the physical Apple stores, and they appreciate the fact they can talk to somebody. They can get help right there. And they come to me and say, I want that. (laughs) I want that entire experience for my computers. I want my computer to just work. I'm frustrated with it. So that's number one. And in in a kind of a side note to that, a lot of times, Adriana, people will come to me and say, listen, I have to use a Windows computer at my work because maybe similar to Jeff, that's, that's Mm -hmm. that's the only option. But- They have a child that is going to college, and what do you think that child's gonna get and take with them? A Mac. A Mac. Or they have a a kid maybe that's in grade school or whatever the fact, or they want their home computer, and many times they will get a Mac. And because they enjoy using their Mac so much in their home life, in their kid's life, again, they come and say, I want that, in my work life as well. And so those are some of the main reasons that I see people come to me and asking about, can can I actually use a Mac in my law practice?
2: This is a particularly good time too, to start using a Mac if you don't already do so. If, you know, know, I'm very happy at my law firm, but if for some reason Adams and Reese told me tomorrow, hey Jeff, open up your (laughs) own practice. Uh, The first thing that I would do is get a Mac. Because there's no, there's no way in the world I would use a PC if I hit control over my own technology. And the reason I say this is a good time to do it is because years and years ago with the iPhone, Apple decided that rather than use some of the microprocessors that were made by third parties, you know, companies like Intel and stuff, that they would make their own chips so that they could make sure that the processors were tuned to what Apple wanted them to do in the iPhone and in the iPad. And on the computer side, in just the last few years, Apple is now starting to use their chips. So Apple's no longer using the Intel chips that you find in many Windows computers, and they're using their own chips. And as a practical matter, what that means for the user is for the same amount of money, you're getting a computer that is often a little more powerful, but is always much better on battery life and so when you have a laptop computer as people want to use they are you know if you compare just you know put them right next to each other the typical Windows computers with the same set of features and the typical Mac computer you're getting a lot more bang for the buck now things change over time and maybe five years from now Intel will have the next best thing but there's no question that right now you're getting you're getting much better deal with the Mac. But then in addition to that, I mean, the thing that I, you know, why I love using a Mac at home and wish I could use it all the time is something that Brett alluded to. It's it's just the seamless integration. I love using my iPhone. I love using my iPad. And when I'm sitting here at work, I can have my Windows computer with me and I can have my iPad right next to me and they sort of function independently, but they don't really talk to each other that much. Whereas when I'm sitting down at my Mac at home, for example, I happen to use a desktop computer. I can literally, just to take one example, take my mouse cursor on my Mac. And as I go off the end of the screen and move over to the iPad next to me, the cursor just moves right over there. And the keyboard that I was using with my Mac suddenly becomes the keyboard for my iPad. I mean, that's one of a million examples, but it just shows how seamlessly the iPhone the iPad, the Apple Watch, and the computer, the Mac all work together. And considering that even Windows using computers, even attorneys, excuse me, that use Windows, even they are using for the Mm -hmm. most part iPhones and iPads. If you're already using those sorts of things, it's sort of a natural transition to why not go to something that it's all sort of be working together and integrating.
1: When you're talking to attorneys that might come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about switching to a Mac, have you found, and I'm going to guess the answer is probably no, that there's a particular practice area or type of attorney that is better suited for a Mac than another?
0: I would say no, not today. But here's the thing. There's always going to be probably a tiny little exception, right? And that's one of the things that I always tell people when they come to me, Adriana, to say, You can use a Mac, the answer is yes. (laughs) You can use a Mac in your law practice, absolutely. However, (laughs) there's a few little caveats that you just need to make sure that you can control because you are going to still be a little bit of the exception when it comes to this. So for example, the thing that comes to mind There is an attorney down in North Carolina, Ben Stevens, who formerly had the website themaclawyer.com. I don't think that he still maintains it. But for several years, he was even profiled in the ABA Journal several years ago about how he uses a Mac. Well, he did family law in the state. Mm. I'm sorry. I said North Carolina, maybe a South Carolina. I can't remember. One of the Carolinas. Is it South Carolina, Jeff? I think it is. But in that particular state, they required all family lawyers to use a specific Software for I think mm-hmm. it was a child calculator something like that, right sure. very there are very still very some of those exactly there is and you know you run into this but that's you yes. know that's very specific very niche but in that case I know I've talked to Ben many times he had to have a Windows computer everybody in his office was Mac but he had to have one little old Windows computer running in the corner <laughs> because of this one specific set of software now there's not as much of that today as there was mm-hmm. several years ago but there still is going to be something that you're gonna have to you know run into uh that you're that you will run into from those aspects and and even just from that Again, from, from I, I call it like you're the exception, right? When you're using a Mac, not in a negative way, but in the sense that, you know, you gotta make sure like if you create something in, in the Pages software, that's a Word document, you know, or a, a Word processing document, well, your Windows colleagues can't open that, right? So you need to make sure you use Microsoft Word or convert it into Word. Save it's just it. little yeah. things like that, just to make sure that you know that, you know, you're not in the majority. I mean, from all the surveys we had, or ABA mostly and some of the ILTA surveys and stuff. The best guess that we have today is about 10 to 12% of lawyers are using Macs and the rest are all Windows. Now, those surveys mm-hmm. are a little old these days. And I can tell you uh, from an anecdotal perspective, I think, I'm pretty sure we're much higher than that. Not, yes. not way higher, but probably 15 to 20%, I would think I would guess today, just from what I have seen that people are coming on. So it's not unheard of, and it certainly has been growing You know, for the, a lot of the reasons that we've already discussed a little
1: bit here. Let me give you an interesting statistic. What do you call it when it's real science data? Is that empirical data? Is that uh, what sure. the word? I is just call not? it
0: real science data. That's what okay. I-, I
1: <laughs> let me give you guys some real science data. Okay. So I run the tech helpline for the Florida Bar and I keep really good track of my calls, including preferred platform is one of the questions Ooh, I ask when someone okay. goes to make an appointment. So I have to ask them. Um, I have had over the phone, we have done 307 phone consultations. Let's say 300. We have done- About 97, that's in the past two years, hold on, about 100 text chats. So let's say I have 400 entries from lawyers who have to tell me what platform they prefer before they're able to make an appointment or get a chat or anything else. And then I have a pretty pie chart that tells us the preferred OS of my 400 or so interactions with Florida attorneys, 78 are on PC slash Windows, 78%. Apple and Mac is then going to be about 16 is their preferred, but I have a mixed option. So I have a mix like Jeff. I have PCs and Macs. That's the other percentage, which leaves us at about five. I think you can go with more of a a 20% to maybe 22% of attorneys that are using Macs. And then the last thing I'll say about that is my boyfriend took the Florida bar about four years ago. He had taken the New York bar 30 years ago. Took the California bar 30 years ago took Florida bar about four years ago and then took the Louisiana bar about three years ago. When he was in the Florida bar, there was 2,000 people taking that exam in there. He is not kidding when he's told me he was the only PC in that entire room. (laughs) So if there are not enough Mac lawyers now, Mac using lawyers, it's growing And I, you know, I often tell software developers, specifically NetDocuments, which is one of my favorite products out there, y'all better develop for the Mac Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it is a wave coming and it's already started. So I think those are just so interesting, those, those numbers. And I get from these same callers, I use a PC at work, but I've got a Mac at home. Jeff?
2: Yeah, one thing I would say about that though, Adriana, is that the number of people that are calling the helpline to talk to you, it sounds to me like by definition that's somebody that needs help with something. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the areas where when you talk about the type of attorney that should use a Mac versus a PC, you know, one of the advantages or disadvantages of the PCs is that they are much easier to run for administrators. They're much easier for the tech people to administer. So if it was my job to administer a hundred or a thousand computers, I might prefer the tools that I, as the tech administrator can have with PCs, versus Macs, because Macs aren't set up for that. But on the flip side, from the standpoint of the user, If you want something that you can try to figure things out yourself, I'm not saying that there aren't times when it can be confusing to find something on the Mac, Mm -hmm. but it's often far easier to figure something out on your own on the Mac than the PC. So you just need to decide, do I want to be the sort of attorney that has, even if I'm a solo attorney that has, you know, maybe an outside IT department that I work with? And if so, then, you know, that, that can help me. And maybe that'd be a reason to have the PC or would I prefer to be the sort of attorney that can just take care of things myself and figure things out? things out myself, because the Mac's going to be better for that. And then one other thing I wanted to mention is that Brett was talking about the um, vertical software, which is, you know, sometimes still an issue that, you know, this particular program has to be used. I used to, you know, I've been practicing law since 1994, and I used to see that a lot more in the early 2000s. But over the last two decades, I've noticed, and I'm sure the other two of you have as well most so much of the software world has moved from the mm-hmm. specific program you run on your computer to something that's online. And so nowadays whether it's accounting software or e-discovery software yep. or you know legal research software, you know the best is always the online service. And what's fantastic about that from the choice of computer is when it's a when it's a web-based interface You can use it on your Mac, you can use it on a PC, you can use it on your iPad, you can use it on your iPhone. And so it means that you have a lot more ability to choose the platform that you prefer because it's not going to matter. It's just not going to matter because it's all web-based.
1: I want to ask both of you one more question before we stop for a quick break, and that has to do with running Parallels, or is there still another thing like Parallels? There used to be two.
0: No. Yeah. There used to be VMware Fusion and they let that go, but Parallels is still strong. And there's a couple of others. uh, Code Weavers is another one, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not quite as robust as it once was.
1: So let me just explain very quickly in case someone doesn't know. Parallels (laughs) has been around for a million years and what it allowed you to do was create a virtual Windows machine that you could switch to on your Mac. So basically Mac would take a little piece of its hard drive and it would dedicate it to running a fake version of Windows and then Attorneys would or anyone would be able to sort of flip over to a Windows machine within their Mac. And the program that is well known is called Parallels. My question to the both of you today is, is that even worth it anymore? Or do you just, like you said, Brett, go buy a $300 Windows (laughs) machine at Costco and set it on the side for when you need that one little program. Because I feel like in the old days, and I'm gonna look to the both of you to tell me if it's gotten better, Parallels really weighed heavy on machines. It created yeah. a lot of other issues. It was hard actually to run yeah. it. So what's happening today with something like Parallels.
0: Yeah, is it still worth it? Probably for something specific like that, like we're talking about Adriana. But honestly, I, I gotta tell you, it's been a long time, several years now, since I've even run any of that for Windows virtualization software on my computer. And just to back up a little bit from some uh, history, perspective several years ago before 2006 all of the macintosh computers ran an ibm processor right so this was before intel so that was a huge change in 2006 i believe it was jeff right when apple said hey we are going to stop using ibm processors we're going to use intel processors now for the rest of you know most of the professional world we're like okay whatever but for us that was huge because again in that time period there were versions of Windows software that we wanted to run on the Mac. And that's exactly how we did it. In fact, Apple even supported this. They had a little software application called Boot Camp. <laughs> mm, that that's turned the one I was thinking of. Exactly. Now, that was Apple saying when you turned on your Macintosh computer, you could decide, do I want to boot into the Mac side or do I want to boot into the Windows computer? Which was crazy because... That was my best Windows computer. <laughs> my, that was my best Windows laptop that I was using, and it had an Apple on the front of it. It was just kind of weird and odd how this worked, but that's how I would do like trial presentation software, for example. That was only Windows software. I would use a Mac, right. boot it into Windows. Now, all of that has come full circle now because several years ago, Apple stopped using Intel processors in the computer. In fact, it was just a couple of weeks ago that all of their Mac macintosh computers are now running apple's own processors jeff alluded to this to where intel is left in the dust and apple has just gone gangbusters with their own silicon as we call it apple silicon just because mm-hmm. they're doing it all in-house and it is amazing now parallels will still run on m1 or m2 processor Macs, but it's not quite as robust as it once was go ahead jeff
2: yeah, I actually don't, I mean, you're right, Brett, with one caveat, which is that if I, and I'm not running Parallels today, but from what I remember reading recently, Windows, of course, doesn't just work on Intel. Windows can also work on ARM machines. Right. And the current Mac computers are sort of a version of ARM. Um, I thought I read that Parallels reached an agreement with Microsoft that Parallels was going to be able to offer you the Windows ARM experience. And a lot of this is technical mumbo-jumbo. What it basically means is that <laughs> Parallels will be able to run even on the current Macs that have a Mac processor Hmm. just as efficiently as they used to run in the old days on the Intel, where it was of course nice because everybody used Intel. So I I actually think that parallels is a real option for the one or two times when you just need to use the specific PC, a specific program. And I'll mention one more thing too, and that, and I don't know if folks get into this. I don't know. For how many folks this is applicable, but it's sure. something that I personally do quite a bit. I have my PC in my office that I keep plugged in and turned on all the time. And when I'm at home, I'm using my Mac. I will sometimes connect to my Windows PC from a Mac, or for that matter, from an iPad or even an iPhone, right. using remote access mm-hmm. software. And you know, Microsoft has has its own remote access software which works very well. Um, I also use a product called LogMeIn, which mm-hmm. is, does the same thing. And so. I will often be at home and I can be doing some work on my Mac, but then for the very rare time that I need to access like some system document management system that just, I don't have a clean interface on my Mac, I can just connect to my office PC. And even though the office PC is not at my home, I can just connect virtually to it and do what I need to do. And so these sorts of options, whether it's using parallels or remote access, you can use them for the specific situations so that you're not limited by the Mac. And then you get all of the other advantages of the Mac that you never get on the PC. So it it all depends upon how geeky you want to be um, and how specialized you want to be, but you can get it done using those options.
1: There's definitely a lot of options. Well, let's take a quick break, listen to some messages from some sponsors. We'll be right back and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the actual tools and services that you guys recommend for attorneys to have on their Macs. We'll be right back. LawClerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign-up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, LawClerk has a new app for your mobile devices to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code NEWSOLO when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. All right, I am back with Jeff Richardson and Brett Burney, my two Mac gurus. Actually, I have a third. I should always mention that Ernest Fenson is my third Mac guru. Yeah, uh, yeah, good old Ernest. Ernie the but, attorney, um,
0: the Mac attorney.
1: We've got it. So there's a great group of consultants and lawyers using Macs out there that can help attorneys with conversations and questions just like this. So guys, what I want to ask you about next is hardware. So here's my question. Of those tech helpline calls I get or the consults I do for San Diego or even Nebraska, someone might say, I'm getting ready to start a new practice. What should I get as far as specs for my PC? And typically, I don't have a brand that I love, but I just, there are two things that I hit very specifically. That is RAM, meaning you've got to have a minimum of 16 32 is good. 64 megs is the best, which is what I get. And the processor, average user isn't going to tell the difference between an i5 and an i9 Intel processor, but I'll say, you know, all prices are the same. Take the i9. Uh, Hard drive specs kind of don't matter as much because you keep most of the stuff in the cloud. So question for you, let me start with Brett and give me some laptop specs. And then I'm going to ask Jeff to switch over and say, well, if you prefer a desktop. Here's what you want to look for. And maybe the answers are all the same, but Brett, I'm calling you up. I'm saying, Hey Brett, I'm starting my solo practice. I've got a limited budget. And what should I look? Just kidding. I've got all the budget in the world, which I will tell you when an attorney asks me, what should I spend on a PC or a Mac? I'm like, the most you can spend because there's one thing you should never skimp on and that's yep. your infrastructure and your technology. Well, so do not cheap exactly. out.
0: So Thank Brett, you. I'm looking for yeah. a laptop.
1: What yeah. the minimum specs I want to get in order to have, hold on, average attorney, 58 PDF files open, 60, 70 tabs open in Chrome, 50 yeah. tabs open in Safari, 14 <laughs> Word documents open, maybe an Excel spreadsheet, Trello open, and uh, who knows what else? Minimum specs for a laptop.
0: None of that is going to scare a modern day Mac.
1: Love it. At all.
0: Because mainly of the M1 processor or the M2 processor today. That's the biggest thing. So I, I, I got to go back and just underscore a couple of those things that you were saying. Number Because this is what Tom and I wrote, Tom Lambot and I wrote in the, in the, in the book. It's Max in Max Laws, the ABA book that we wrote. And we talked exactly about that, Adrian. I know that you're a firm believer in this. I don't understand why... Lawyers want to spend as le- least as possible, as less as possible on a computer when this is your tool. This is where you get it's all everything. of your work done today. It's like th- th- this is what you need to invest in. Now, one of the big things I would tell you quickly, and I'm sure people listening are already saying this I don't do a Mac, it's too expensive. They're way too expensive. Right. I understand where you're coming from, and maybe. If you compared apples to apples (laughs) or PCs to apples, if you actually compared the actual specs that you're talking about, Adriana, Mm -hmm. between a full PC, if you get it from Compaq or Lenovo or wherever you get it from Dell, compared to what you get from a Mac, you're going to be very, very close. If you go and want to spend $300 at Costco, you're going to get a $300 laptop. That's only going to last you maybe for a year. You're going to get so frustrated and waste so much time working on that that it's not... ever going to pay for itself so invest in something that's going to last so now getting back to the laptops on the mac i mean number one (laughs) you have one choice right this is the whole thing with the windows side you have one company that does the software microsoft but you have a a vast majority of companies you can pick from on what you want to pick for a laptop Uh, good luck (laughs) uh you know have fun some people like that, in, and I understand. There's a market for that. But if you go to the Apple side, guess what? <laughs> you have one choice. You have one choice Makes for the company easy. for the software, and one the same choice for the hardware as well. Some people don't like that. It's a it's a monopoly. Whatever. I understand if that's your your choice on there. But it does make it easy, Adrian, and a lot of people just want it because there's a lot of benefits that come to that and advantages in the sense that the hardware and the software are so well integrated with the Mac. And that's one of the big things that I know uh, makes a big difference. On the laptop side, you basically have two options today with a Mac. You have the MacBook Air, which is sort of like the slimline version. And really, to be honest, is more than enough for the vast majority of lawyers that need or want to get a Mac laptop. That's your starter uh, area. Then we do have the MacBook Pro. Now, I like using the MacBook Pro, but I tend to do quite a bit of video editing and Mm. audio editing not just in the editing itself, but like when I'm processing that video out, right? Right. That takes a lot of horsepower. I do a lot of OCR on a, a big number of files, not just one or two you know, PDF files. I'm talking like I've got a collection of 200 files I need to run OCR on. It's those things that take a lot of overhead, require a lot of overhead to get through, to churn through. So I chose to go with a MacBook Pro. And this is what I talk with a lot of lawyers, Adriana. Like I talk to lawyers like, you're not doing video editing. What I'm right? doing. Right. <laughs> right. You're not doing this day in and day out. You're going to Lex's, you're maybe using Word. You're doing, you know, maybe you have the you know fifty-eight PDF files open. That's okay. We don't care about that. Like that's not a problem. The MacBook Air is probably going to be fine and now they and Apple just re- released a 15-inch. There was the 13-inch with the M1 and now there's a 15-inch version out there. The great thing is you can go to the apple.com, you can look at all the specs, uh you know if we want to get into how many cores the GPU and the CPU have and how much memory, but it's very almost exactly similar to what you were just saying Adriana. At okay. least 16 gigs of RAM and then go I mean, up from there, 32, 64. Okay. That's fine. You, you know, if you want to push it all in there, that's totally fine. You're doing what I usually call future-proofing it, right? It's going to last you at least three, four, five years, no problems whatsoever. It starts with 512 gigs. You can go up to a terabyte if you want. I and got that's a terab- for
1: storage. That's for so storage, let me exactly. just interrupt you real quick to explain this. There's two types of memory and RAM that you guys will hear about when you go to a right. hard to look at laptops. There's RAM, and then there's storage, okay? So the the smaller number that we've mentioned, like, 8 don't ever get 8
0: no 16 not today.
1: 32 and 64 you everyone you can't get 8 is that's <laughs> the most important part of your of your machine that is the that is what keeps things in memory keeps things close pulls things up fast makes your computer run fast well it's really the processor but for the sake of this conversation let's just say you need a lot of ram Right. Then what Brett just mentioned when he says 512, one terabyte, that's the size of the hard drive. That's the storage space. How many pictures, movies, videos, files can you store on there on top of all the programs right. that you load onto the local machine? So I'm finding that today most attorneys can have about a half, half a gig, 512. But if you yeah, get a yeah. terabyte, you're fine. Sometimes you get two. Yeah. Okay. So Brett, yeah. um, you either get a MacBook Air or MacBook Pro. Right. The MacBook Pro might be, if you're doing much more robust processing, like you yeah. mentioned videos, um, maybe you watch a lot of movies. I don't think that matters, but you're actually nope. doing a lot of processing. Minimum of 16 gigabytes of RAM. Size of the hard drive is going to be up to you. Yeah. Can you talk to me real quick about ports? Because I feel like every laptop I look at yeah. today, PC or Mac, I'm just getting less and less ports and it makes me want to cry.
0: They are. They are. And in fact, the MacBook Air has less ports than the MacBook <laughs> has Pro. One. Yeah, exactly. And that's a USB C <laughs> port, right? So, because it's so nice and thin and very, very portable, that means that there's not very many ports on there. It's not USB A. That's the typical USB port that yes. we think of. This is USB C, which you is guys, a little smaller. Listeners, yeah. <laughs> this
1: is really important for you <laughs> to consider. Is, it is. How much stuff do you need to plug in? And let me tell you, I plug in all sorts of things whether it's a laptop yeah. or a PC. I like an external camera, I like a headset, maybe you've got a scanner that you want to carry around with you. So Brett, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So if you're going to go with the MacBook Air, you get one port. With the MacBook Pro, you probably probably get four.
0: Yeah, actually or three. so so on the MacBook Air there are two USB-C okay. ports. You got a power port and then you have a headphone mm. jack. That's it. That's <laughs> oh. all you get on the MacBook Air. But I will say this. That's limiting if you do plug a bunch of stuff in. But Adriana, as you know, what a lot of people will do these days What's the solution? is the USB-C port will handle a whole lot of throughput. It's got a lot of bandwidth. So what a lot of people do is they just go to Amazon and they get yep. a USB-C hub, right? So that I have one of these that I can plug in multiple USB thumb drives and mice and keyboards and whatever yes. else that I might need at that point. So a lot of people will get around it that way. But You know, for me, I'm the same way as you, Adrian. I do podcast recording. I do video. I do do a lot of stuff that most typical lawyers are not doing. And so having, I I have three USB ports and an HDMI port on my MacBook Pro. The HDMI port- is great because I do a lot of presentations, right? As you know, Adriana. Mm -hmm. So I like to have that port available there as opposed to having it on a hub, which I'm not going to get on the MacBook Air. So again, these are just some of the things that I would talk with a lawyer. Important things to consider. Right, understand what are your typical needs? What do you do as you go through the day? I will find though, Adriana, a lot of people just say, well, I just want the best. Just give me the best, right? If we convince them, (laughs) like we have, like you need to invest in this, then they go for the MacBook Pro. That's okay, but as you know, most of the time you're never going to reach like the full breadth of what that that laptop can do. And that's okay. It's just know that, you know, you're probably spending maybe a little bit more than you need to, but that's okay as well because that is going to be something that's going to future-proof for a
1: while. Okay, the last thing I'm going to say just to help listeners understand when when Brett says a hub, here's what you can think of it like. I call it a dongle. You'll hear us old schoolers also okay. call it a dongle. See,
0: um, I, I feel like I feel like I feel like I'm a little more PC in my word. The, the, the hub.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're 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 PG-13 rated okay, here. Okay, great, good, Solo. good. So. Everyone imagine how uh, you run out of plugs at your outlets in the in the wall at home and you go and you get a surge protector that has 15 more th- you know plugs that you can plug in that's literally what we were talking about for Macs or that's for good. PCs when yeah. you don't have enough ports you can buy a USB hub you should buy it the minute you're buying the laptop just yes order the hub Always. or the dongle. And just, the, they usually come with four five or six, and then you will not be frustrated by having to unplug your mouse if you happen to still use a corded mouse in order to use your microphone. So you're definitely going to want that. They're only a few dollars, 15, $18 off of Amazon. Okay. So we've got some good basics there for laptops. Let's talk about desktops. But before we do that, Jeff, do you have anything you want to add on about laptops?
2: I do, because I think most attorneys are going to probably want a laptop computer over a desktop computer. I'll get to a desktop computer in one second. But I think that it's a lot more – you have more choices with a laptop that you can take around with you. And so, as Brett said, the nice thing from the Apple side is you only have to choose between the two models – the Air and the Pro. And although the Pro is hundreds of dollars, it can be up up to $1,000 more for a similar system. There are some real advantages that I think you should think of. First of all is the display. The display on the MacBook Air is nice. It's really nice the display on the MacBook Pro is much nicer. Mm -hmm. So once you start using a MacBook Air display, it's a brighter display, it's a more colorful display. If you're going to be working with photos and stuff like that, it's really nice. If you start spending too much attention with the MacBook Pro display and you go back to the Air, you're going to say, hmm, I'm (laughs) sort of missing out here a little bit. So that's something to think about. Another good point is um, in terms of ports, on the MacBook Air, you have the two Thunderbolt USB ports, but they're on the same side. It's on, I believe, the left side. And I know that this seems silly, but sometimes when you're setting up your laptop computer, it's just, it would be more convenient to have that port on the right side than on the left Mm -hmm. side. And the advantage of the MacBook Pro is it gives you three USB C Thunderbolt ports, but one of them, you have them on both sides. And that sounds like such a silly thing, but believe me, when you're in a hotel or you're moving around, it just makes a lot more sense to have them the sides. Plus, the MacBook Pro has the HDMI port. So if you mm. ever give presentations or you're connecting it to a monitor in a courtroom or something like that, you can do it with the air, but you have to have a little dongle to do it. Whereas if you're again. with the Pro, you've got the HDMI built in and you also have the SD court built in, the SD card port built in. Right, if right. you, you know, some cameras use and stuff so you just have those more powerful features with the pro versus the air Aside from a lot of that stuff, though, as long as they are both using the latest M2 processor, they're going to be about the same speed. So from that standpoint, it's not a lot of compromises to go with the Air, but the Pro does have some extra things. And then one more thing I wanted to say, if you're moving from PC to Mac, um, you're absolutely right, Adriana, that memory is important. And many people may say, gosh, I have 16 gigs of memory on my PC, and I find it pretty limited, so I guess I need 32 on the Mac. And I'm here to tell you that's actually not true. Mm. One of the things that the M2 Macs offer, and this is different from the old days when the Macs used to use the same Intel processors that Windows computers still use. But nowadays, the Macs are so much faster when they get short on memory and swapping out from the SSD, which you know we sometimes still call the hard drive, but it's not really a hard drive, it's a solid state drive now. It's so fast that you can actually get by with less memory. And to show Excellent you that, point. you know, to, to put the proof is where the are putting, when I, uh, my home computer, which I'll get to in a second as we transfer into talking about desktop computers, my prior home computer had 32 gigs of memory. And when I just recently this year purchased a new home computer, I actually went down to 16 gigs. Huh. And if you had ever, like, if you had told, asked me in the past, <laughs> Jeff, would you ever go down right. versus off? I would have said, what are you crazy? Why would I ever do that? But the reality is, is that for me, instead of spending the extra memory, the extra money on the memory i put that extra money towards getting an even larger ssd drive which for me was a better value because the having less ram you know i can get by now i will still offer a caveat which is you can buy a very low-end MacBook Air with only eight gigs of memory. And I do think that's a little limited. It's probably fine for, you know, a kid that's in high school or something like that, which is what it's geared toward. But for professional work, I would go with 16 for sure. And then 32 if you want to splurge. But anyway, so those are my extra thoughts that I wanted to offer on the laptop computer comparisons and why you might want to get one versus the other.
1: I think you're right that most attorneys are going to go for a laptop before they bother with a desktop. So real quick, Brett, I think you had the pages pulled up for these. Can you tell me just kind of an apples to apples, haha, average price of an Air versus a Pro? And then for those of us who weight really matters on the stuff we carry around, what's the difference in weight between the two? Because the MacBook, I have a MacBook Pro here and it's significantly heavier than my MacBook Air.
0: It is. Yeah. So I say for the MacBook air and Jeff, you can, you can look at it too and, and, and have it, yeah. double check me on this. I mean, you're going to be, I, I would say for everything we're talking about for a MacBook air, you're probably going to at, at the very lowest level, maybe $1,200 is what okay. I would say. That's what you're going to be Fine. looking at. And you're probably, you know, depending on what other things that you might want to add on that, it could be upwards of 1500 or even 1600 or something like that on the MacBook pro. Depending on the size, like there's a there's a 13-inch MacBook Pro, 14-inch, and a 16-inch. Depending on the on the screen size that you want to look at there, and those start uh, at 1,300. 2000 and 2500, respectively. So that just gives you the idea. That's the very base, the, the base model. Now, that doesn't mean that you're skimping on much of the stuff, but just to give you an idea, you're, you're, for a MacBook Pro, for most lawyers that I work with, you're going to be looking at over $2,000, maybe 2200, 2300 is what I would say. What do you say, Jeff?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you're going to be spending 500 to to $1,000 more for the MacBook Pro okay. when you all put it together. It's not directly apples to apples, haha, comparison, because they're different sizes. Like for example, the MacBook right. Air comes in a 13 13- and a 15, whereas the MacBook Pro comes with a 14 and a 16. I'm talking yeah. about screen size. So you are getting more. And so, for example, the lightest, if you just want the lightest thing to carry around, the MacBook Air is the lightest, but in part, that's because it's the smallest, right? Mm-hmm. With a 13 inch mm-hmm. screen. And so it can, it's going to only weigh 2.7 pounds. Whereas the smallest. MacBook Pro is going to be, you know, about a pound more, at three and a half pounds. But again, it's not just, you know, the extra weight is not just the Pro in the name. The extra weight is also a 14 inch versus a 13 inch screen. And so that gives, so, you know, but for some people, size and weight are the most Mm -hmm. important things for them. And they don't mind using a dongle if they need HDMI and they don't mind plugging in only on one side of the computer, not the other. So, you know, do not get me wrong. The Air is a great computer. And, you know, in the old days, getting the Air meant that, You're getting a less processor oomph, those days are over. And it's wonderful that you can have all of the same power with that smaller form factor if that's what matters the most to you.
0: I would just quickly say, I know Jeff's gonna get to the desktop, but I'm always, always, always tell folks that I talk to, I'm happy to give you some recommendations. I'm happy to give you some pointers and some best tips, but if you possibly can, I know sometimes there's Go. not an Apple, physical Apple store close to you, but it would even be worth an hour, two-hour drive. Yeah, and I'd say, I've sure. done it before. What's so great about Apple's approach on this, and when they open these physical stores, Adriana, and you've and so many people have been in them, of course. They have everything on display. Like you touch it, you play with it. You can type on it. You yeah. can open the the Microsoft Word. It's like they don't stop you from from just fondling it as much as you want to. <laughs> and I tell people go pick it up, open it, close it, put it in your briefcase. They'll let you yep. do some of that right there. Yeah. And that is the best thing that you're gonna do before you actually you know uh, make a purchase on there. I mean, you don't have to buy it there. You can They don't care. <laughs> you can just go they back don't. and go to apple.com and buy it later, whatever the case may be. But I always say, you know, all of this that we're talking about, please, before you make the purchase, go and, and look at it yourself and compare the screens if you need to. Compare the weight and what's going to feel best for you.
1: Okay, for real, this is the last thing I'm going to say about laptops. And then we're <laughs> going to switch to desktops. Um, for all of you listening, going $2,300 for a Mac, that's crazy. I spent $2,300 on my last PC laptop. Mm -hmm. So if you really want high-end, you're going to, like Jeff said earlier, you're going to pay the same. One more consideration I would make in those screen sizes, because it does make a big difference. If you travel a lot and you're on airplanes working Mm -hmm. a lot, that 13-inch monitor is way better and easier to put on the desktop tray in front of you than a 14-inch. So there are a lot of things that you have to consider. And I think, Brett, you give the best advice of going and touching and tapping and feeling things out. Jeff, tell us about desktops if we're even going to bother because I know that uh, most attorneys are just going to move their their piece their laptop between places. I'm crazy. I like to have a laptop everywhere, so I just bought three laptops from Ernie the attorney a couple a uh, few months ago and I've got one in LA, I've got one in Orlando. I you know, so it just depends on how you're going to run your your business. So Jeff, what do you say about uh, desktops for us?
2: Yeah. So, and you know, even though most attorneys use laptops, I, the Mac that I own is a desktop computer. Um, There's currently four different desktop computers you can buy for the Mac. There is the iMac, which is the one that has the screen built in. Okay, There's the Mac Mac Mini. There's the Mac Studio, which is like a Mac Mini, but a little bit bigger because it's got a lot more power in it. And then finally, there's the very high-end Mac Pro. (laughs) But I'm not going to get into details on all four of them because frankly... I'm just going to cut to the chase. If you're an attorney, the one that you want is the Mac Mini. Yes. The iMac currently uses the older M1 processor, doesn't have the M2, and it's got a smaller screen. The one to get is the Mac Mini, which frankly is the one that I purchased earlier this year. Now, when you get a Mac Mini, it's nice because it's a very small. It's about the size of an Apple TV, if you have one of those. Mm. Um, it's a small little box that's got the ports on the back of it and stuff, and it doesn't come with a monitor, so you need to get a monitor. And so the, the decision that you to make, need to make once you get your Mac Mini is you can either get a cheap monitor like a Dell monitor or something you can find at Best Buy that frankly isn't going to look great but is going to probably be okay and I'm talking to you right now on my work monitor which is one of those just okay Dell monitor and yeah. you know I can write briefs just fine on it. Um, on the other hand, if my home computer where I have like my photos, you know, that I take of the kids and I want to look at them in full screen and have them look as good as, as possible, I'm willing to spend the extra money on a nice monitor. And Apple currently sells a monitor called the Studio uh, Display Monitor, which is very, very nice. So, but choose how much you want to spend on the monitor, but for the computer itself, what you want to get is the Mac mini. And then the decisions you'll make is how much memory. I went for 16. If you want to splurge, go for 32, but 16 should be fine. How much Storage you want, and as you said, Adriana, for some people, five twelve is enough. Because I personally knew that, in addition to some work stuff, I wanted to be able to put my photos and my videos and that's on it. I decided to go all the way up to four terabytes, which is a lot of space. But that cost me like an extra thousand dollars to put the four terabytes on there. But that was a decision for me personally. That was worth it. And there's not really many other decisions to make. So that's what I would get. Is if you if you're an attorney and you want to choose a desktop, get the Mac Mini.
1: Great. Well. That was very succinct. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Listen to some messages from some sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about software. We'll be right back. Starting your solo practice is exciting, rewarding, and demanding. Alps Insurance understands the unique challenges of startup solo firms. 65% of Alps Legal Map Practice insurance policyholders are solos, after all. That's why Alps created First Flight, a program supporting new solos by providing affordable, premium pricing for the first three years of practice. Visit alpsinsurance.com forward slash insurance forward slash First Flight to learn more. Or just Google Alps First Flight. You'll find them. First Flight program subject to eligibility requirements. Yes, yes, you have a website, but do you love it? Does it grow your practice? It should look good, it should work for you, and it should be built by people who care. Practice Made Perfect loves making websites for solos, just starting out or market leaders. And their clients love their websites. PMP's average client has been with them for over six years. PMP is perfect for your website. Practice Made Perfect. Visit pmpmgcom forward slash solo.
2: Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got so many years of experience, like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with
0: Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found.
1: All right. We are having a great discussion. This is the Mac special podcast. I've got Jeff Richardson and Brett Burney here. We talked a little bit about just general Macs and why and why not, and pretty much decided that just about anybody can practice law or anything else with a Mac perfectly well today. We went through some hardware options. And now I want to talk a little bit about software, kind of like you were saying about hardware or at least the platform, you have one choice. So you're going to get Mac OS with your desktops, And you're going to get the iOS platforms with your mobile devices. So what are a couple of the main things, like features, uh, as far as the OS goes, that maybe you can compare to a PC, or is better than a PC, or just anything we need to know specifically about the operating systems?
0: Well, yeah, to kind of bring it back full circle, you mentioned this at the very beginning, Adriana, that there is... A little bit of a learning curve. You know, Apple mm-hmm. has done a very good job over the years of the phrase everybody knows. It just works, right? It just works. And Macs do just work. But if you have been using Windows uh, computers for a long time, there are some differences that are just little speed bumps, right? You need to make sure that you get over them. They're not showstoppers. They're just speed bumps. For example, I'm looking at my keyboard right now on my Mac and where normally on a windows keyboard it would say backspace it says delete well delete to me means forward delete right as opposed to backspace <laughs> i know this is yeah. this is nitpicky no. but i got to tell you sometimes that would trip me up and it's like wait a minute you know how do i do this another thing to be honest uh, uh you know wait the, wait
1: how do you do that
0: it's the same thing delete is backspace on the mac
1: Yes, but then there's function backspace, which is There is a function
0: key, exactly. And that's the forward delete. So you're exactly right. I mean, so so it's little (laughs) things like that, you know, because on most keyboards, well, you know, the keyboards with like a number pad, they would have a separate delete button, right? And so, you know, in in other words, but it's little tiny things like that, that I know can get people a little frustrated if they're not.
1: Just Google it.
0: Exactly. And in a similar way, as you know, on the... Windows side, we have control key, where we actually have a control key on the Mac side as well, but on the Mac, we have a command key that usually operates like the control key on a Windows side. For example, like on Windows, if I want to copy and paste, the keyboard shortcut Mm -hmm. is control C, control V. Well, on the Mac side, the keyboard shortcut is command C, command V. Little and things like that. And they put like them that. right next
1: to each other. They which do. is not annoying at all. But <laughs> so you just have to get used to it.
0: And, and then it's just, it's things like, you know, on the Windows side, we have the, the taskbar. I think that's what they still call it in Windows 11, right? You have the taskbar at the bottom mm-hmm. and we have a dock on the Mac side. We have menus, but instead of each application on the Windows side having their own menu bar, we have a menu bar at the very top of the screen on a Mac that stays a menu bar, no matter what application that you're in. You know, again, it's very, very similar. It's not that difficult, but it does take some getting used to. And when time is money, In our profession, sometimes, you know, I tell people, you're going to have to give yourself a little bit of grace period there to make sure, you know, a couple of days, a few weeks. I promise you, you'll get familiar with it. Your muscle memory will kick in. But you have to put that into the equation.
1: Do they still offer at the Mac stores an appointment? Like you get a free hour of training with an expert? Because when when people come to me, I say, go to your Mac store, buy the one you want, and for God's sake, take one (laughs) hour to save you hours of frustration later and sit with, I call them all geniuses that works in there, that work in there. Sit with a genius, have them show you those basics because it will really, really help. I can't tell you guys how many times I still today, right now, like yesterday, had a call with a Mac user who didn't think they could right click. I'm like, it's a two tap, two tap, two taps, right? Click right there.
0: And sometimes you have to go in the settings and change it. You know, I, I, I've been known to just kind of hang around the Apple store <laughs> and oh, it's God. like, there's so many people in there that, you know, you, you see, we're just so friendly and being able to talk about it. I see people try to do something and I'm like, you know, you can do that. And they're like. Wow. Thank you. But there's other people that are in there. Jeff, I know you do the same thing. It's like, it's just fun to go in there and kind of interact with this. And so that's another aspect of the Apple store, but you're absolutely right, Adriana. Not only do they have classes on like getting started Mac 101, but yep. it's like even things like how to take better photos with your iPhone. Mm-hmm. I used to take my kids to coding classes that they had there and they're all free and they're all there where you can ask yeah. questions of not only the Apple geniuses that work there, and they're not really formally called that anymore, but we still call them that. But there's other people, other customers that, you know, people just like hanging around and being able to help each other out and answer questions
2: too.
1: Jeff, what can you add to this part of the conversation?
2: Well, first of all, I'm going to add that you're right that they Technically, don't call them Apple geniuses anymore, Brett. But I just saw an article that in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, which was the very first Apple store to open up a very long time ago, right. they've redesigned and they opened a larger store, and they actually have a section there called the Genius Bar. I love now, it. I don't know if the, I don't know if they're doing that for nostalgia reasons for that particular store because of its history, or if uh, Apple is once again turning it around. But other than that, I mean, Brett was sort of talking about some of the differences between Mac and Windows. You know, we can we can start to talk about some of the software things too that you want to do if you want to talk about that, Adriana the um you know it's it's some ways it's easy for attorneys because for most folks if your practice is like mine you know, you're writing and you're creating documents, which means you need Microsoft Word and you need PDF files. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of other things you can do, but that's the core of it. And the nice part is that Microsoft has been a part of the Mac since 1984, a very, very, very long time. And although there have been times in the past decades when Microsoft products on the Mac worked different from Windows, there were some dark days in the 90s, to be sure. We are way past that today. (laughs) And nowadays you can use Microsoft Office, Microsoft Word, Microsoft 365 the newest branding of it you can use Word and Excel and all those other things but most importantly Word on the Mac just as easily as you can as the PC the ribbon is there just like on the PC it all just works and the software is just there and so just like on a Windows computer you're gonna subscribe to Windows 365 you're gonna do the same thing on a Mac and you're gonna have it on the Mac when it comes to working with PDF files, the Mac inherently has, I think, always worked better with PDF files than the PC, and there's some historical reasons for that. I mean, if you go way, way back when to the 1980s, Apple's were better with desktop publishing, and you know, yeah. at the forefront of some of this Adobe technology. But nowadays, it's always been super simple, just from any print dialog box to uh, to choose to print a PDF file. And I know that Windows offers many of that now too, but it's always worked incredibly well on the Mac. And of course, if you want to get third-party products to do more more superstar things in terms of compiling PDFs and putting things together. You can either do that using the built-in free software on a Mac, which is called Preview, or if you want more power features, you can use Adobe Acrobat products. But I mean, that's the core of what you want. And frankly, if you have Adobe Acrobat and if you have Microsoft Office 365, you are 95% of the way there. Mm -hmm. Add onto it whatever web-based resources you're going to use for time and billing, for document management, for e-discovery, for those sorts of things. And I mean that's basically your package. Now I'm not going to tell you that individual attorneys won't have other specific products that right. they'll use. And one of the fantastic things about the app about the Mac is that there's all of these third-party extensions. I mean, we could talk forever about things like one password for storing mm-hmm. your passwords, mm-hmm. which of course is on both PC and Mac, and, you know, things like text expander that can you know, you can make it that you type a few letters and it expands into something longer. And And all of those are fantastic add-ons, which exist to a certain degree on Windows, but I think tend to work better on the Mac. Um, But for the core, you're you're getting your practice up on a computer. That's what you need.
1: So I wanted to say two quick things that you made me think of, and that is once you subscribe to Microsoft 365 business, as we all know, I'm a proponent of, please do not buy home. When you go to office.com, let's say you're going to be by tech. So you're going to have your Windows machine. You're going to have your new Mac next to each other. When you go to office.com, and hit that home button. The bottom, on the top right-hand corner, it's going to say install office. If you are on your Mac, Mm -hmm. it's going to install those products for the Mac because it's going to detect that you're on a Mac. And then if you're on Windows, it's going to detect that you're on Windows. So Microsoft 365 is a must-have. And no, you don't have to buy a different subscription. You don't need to add on. You get five installs with every subscription to Microsoft 365. So it makes it really easy And Jeff, I wanted you to talk a little bit more about Preview, if you don't mind. Preview is the built-in app with Mac that helps you really do some amazing things with PDFs. Does it, I'm just gonna run down them real quick and you just fill in, you know, give us a little background, but does it OCR? Can you edit a PDF? Can you sign a PDF? Can you convert a PDF to Word using Preview?
2: Uh, Although Preview does not offer OCR capabilities, I think it does everything else you just ticked off. You can edit it, you can highlight things, you can annotate on things, you can bring up a little uh, toolbar on the side that has each little page like a thumbnail. Uh And so if you want to move around pages or add something in, you can do all of those features just fine with Preview. Again, the the only big feature that it doesn't do is the OCR. And even that, I mean, again, I'm not not that I have any insight into what Apple's doing in the future, but I will tell you that on the iPhone and the iPad, mm-hmm. Apple now has built-in ability that if yes. I take a picture of something that has text in it with my iPhone, it will immediately see the text and give me the opportunity to copy and paste. It's a very powerful engine. And you don't have to be that much of a fortune teller to say that if Apple <laughs> has this fantastic <laughs> technology on the iPhone and the iPad, it's just a matter of time before they're going to bring it to the Mac and Preview is going to have built-in OCR in there. Awesome. So it would not surprise me for this to come out soon. Again, don't get me wrong. There are times when you want to have something more robust, whether it be from Adobe or some of the other third parties that have you know more specialized PDF yeah. programs. I, I, you know, in terms of things like Bates numbering and yes. those sorts of things, of course, you're going to want the more advanced. But when it comes to the when it comes to the simple stuff that you want to do for manipulating PDF, which is a core part of my law practice, is doing mm-hmm. that every day. Preview is often the simple tool that will do what you need.
1: Yeah. So. I- I encourage everyone, if you are a Mac user, if you haven't really explored and figured out what preview can do, either go yeah. get an appointment with one of those geniuses or watch a YouTube video. It's a very helpful tool for you to know about. What else do we need to know about software? Well, We it- talked about 1Password and TextExpander. I talk about those all the time. I love them. Can you talk about a paste app? Because I feel like yeah. for me, the, the clipboard in Windows is just everything in my life. And so I had to get a third-party tool because that's not baked into the operating system for Macs.
0: I'm going to quickly just reiterate things you guys have already talked about. People come to me and say, well, I got a Mac and hey, guess what? Apple has their own office software on the Mac. So I don't have to go to Microsoft Office. Mm. And it's true. Apple has pages, which is like Word, and they have Keynote, which is like PowerPoint, and they have Numbers, which is like Excel. But those are not what I would consider to be professional grade, at least for the legal profession. And the second thing, yeah, absolutely. And so that's the first professional purchase that I tell people after you get your your Mac computer, you're going to get an Office 365 subscription for exactly what you were describing, Adriana. Because if you have still a Windows computer and you have an iPhone, you have an Android, you have an iPad, guess what? You get to install and access your Word documents on all of those. Number two, exactly what you guys were talking about, get a subscription probably to Acrobat DC, right? The professional version. Especially if you are utilizing PDFs all the time in your practice and most of us are.
1: $15 a month, people.
0: Exactly. And here's the thing, Adriana, that's not, Adobe is not my default PDF viewer on my Mac. For everything you guys were just talking about, my default PDF viewer is preview. Number one, sure. because it is built into the operating system, it's free and it opens lightning fast. But if I, that's just for viewing the PDF. Does that make sense? So if yes. I want to actually do some of the redactions or annotations like you guys were talking about, then I will usually right-click on that PDF and say, open in Adobe Acrobat or something along those lines. So, and I just use that because it is a little bit more overhead and I don't need all of that all the time, but that just gives it. I still say those are the two big professional grade software purchases you need to make Office 365 and and Adobe. I think they call it still Acrobat DC, right? The document cloud is what they call it. And you get all of those in there. After that, exactly what Jeff was talking about. After that, it's you know whatever is going to work the best for you. For example, obviously one password text expander, just like Jeff mentioned.
1: Hold on, Brett, Bernie, <laughs> you're not going to just throw out text expander out there without talking about your freaking awesome course that I tell everyone about. If you are going to get like text, text expander, expander which yeah, I am telling yeah. you right now, attorneys, if you haven't gotten this yet, please do, do not slowly tap your way to textexpander.com. Use your fastest typing fingers. Go to TextExpander.com and download this incredibly valuable tool. And then our friend Brett Burney has made an online course that I suggest to everyone on TextExpander for lawyers. And you, Brett, you believe in this product so much and use it so much (laughs) that you actually took the time to help teach other lawyers how to use it. So in just 30 seconds, tell us real quick about TextExpanderForLawyers.com and what we'll learn over there.
0: Yeah, it's great. Jeff already talked about it. And actually the Mac now has a built-in keyboard replacement or text replacement. So like, for example, when I want to type the word text expander, that's a lot of typing, right? I don't want to type it that is. every single time. So Adriana I have- Linares
1: is a lot of typing.
0: Exactly, it's a beautiful name, but if you don't want to type it all the time, you could just have like A-D-L. Maybe Mm -hmm. not, because maybe ADL would be somewhere that you would find it. For example, Mm -hmm. for my name, I do, mine is Brett Burney. So I do BBB. That's my shortcut. When I hit BBB,
1: I'll never type
0: three Bs in a row on anything else. So when I type three Bs, it automatically expands to my first and last name. I don't have to sit there. But that's just the start of it. My email address. You know, I will fat finger my email address (laughs) so often, and it gets it wrong, and I hate to have to take the time or even the date. Like the current date, yeah. I have to stop what I'm doing and look at my calendar. Is it, what day is it? What I just, is
1: the keyboard shortcut for the date on a text expander?
0: Whatever you want it to be. Oh, you
1: make it. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Mine is DDT because I don't ever use that. It sounds silly, but people would use like semicolon DA or what whatever is going to yeah. work for you that you just, it becomes muscle memory. So it just automatically types out that date, whether I want, you know, Year, 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 month, month, and day, day? Or do I want, you know, June 27th, you know, 2003? Like, however you want the date to be out, you can set additional expansions on there. So obviously, yes, I love the the platform. It saves me
2: hours every month of typing time that I would normally do. And I know Jeff uses it too. And Adriana, we have a hostile witness here because oh. he did not answer your question. He did not. Your, your question you, was counsel? about his course. And instead, he gave you a preview of the course Jesus. with some of the things that he describes. And I'm giving, I'm ribbing uh, Brett only because I actually took his course as well. And uh, it was fantastic. Even as someone yeah. who uses Text Expander a lot, Brett had some fantastic tips in there. And I would encourage, if anyone's looking to be more productive with a Mac or a PC, because I use Text Expander on my PC at my office yes. just as much as I use it at home. My personal date shortcut by the way is d d a t e so if i type that it puts the date and for me the way that i use my shortcut is it puts the date in the format of the year dash the month in mm-hmm. numbers dash mm-hmm. the day right. and i use that shortcut in the beginning of all of my file names exactly. so that oh. therefore exactly. therefore whenever i sort my files by name By definition, it's sorting them by date because, as we all know, just because I add a file today doesn't mean the file is actually from today. It may have been from two months ago, and I want to be able to sort them. But that's just one of a million examples. So, again, you should, people, even though Brett won't tell us about it, you should uh, encourage folks to use his course because it's very useful, and I love taking it. But also, I do agree with you, Brett, that Text Expander is great.
1: Guys and gals, Text Expander does a lot more than just little snippets. If yes. you have a certificate of surface that you use all the time, a signature block for two signers, and then the next contract you have has three signers, and maybe you have a signature block for executor and executee, you know anything that you type over and over again, or that you have to go to other documents to find to paste into your new document, Text Expander is really really powerful. Can you tell me what Set App is?
0: Yeah, so actually, and I'll answer another question that you had in the Paste oh, app.
1: My hostile witness has become my I,
0: <laughs> So set app is, it, there was several software developers, mostly for the Mac, got together, and they said, let's, let's do a subscription level. But instead of just like one or two apps, we'll give people the ability to download, a, you know, from dozens of apps, like whatever's going to be most helpful. And so even if you use one or two of these apps, it's definitely pays for itself. I think it's ten dollars a month is what it is. I I stopped it and 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 stayed away from it for many months, thinking, well, I don't want to pay that. But I got to tell you, now that I am, I am so thrilled because I can download. If I think of something that, oh, I need a I need a little tiny utility just to download this YouTube video guess what set app has it they also huh. provide it- one that they, they actually have a default folder x another little fantastic file management app that i use all the time they have one called bartender which basically just organizes your little items in the in the menu bar in the top right of the mac because a lot of times i got a bunch of stuff up there and it also has this paste app that i love it's just simply called paste oh, app yeah. and i love this because this is basically like a a, a a clipboard history right it keeps a history of everything that i've copied to my clipboard There's other apps that will do this, but I find this one I love the best because not only can I go into the history and find something that I copied, you know, even yesterday or two minutes ago or whatever the case may be, but I can choose to simply just, I got a keyboard shortcut that I can bring it up and then I can paste plain text. So I use this all the time, Adrian. If I copy Mm -hmm. text from a PDF or if I copy text from a web browser, you know, where they've got all kinds of weird formatting, I don't want the formatting. I just want the text. So I'll go and copy it. And then I use this little paste app and it's all now muscle memory with keyboard shortcuts that mm-hmm. I just boom, boom, boom. And, it's, and I've got it pasted in there just with the text without any formatting or all yeah. the crazy stuff, with line breaks or anything else. I use this constantly throughout the day when I'm copying and pasting back and forth.
1: Very, very critical productivity app is having a paste app.
2: Uh, one more thing I'll say about the setup that's the one that you pay a monthly subscription to get access to a whole bunch of little apps. The folks that are behind Setup are uh, the MacPaw company, which is actually based in Ukraine, in Kiev. And so if you, you know, not to be political on our podcast today, but if you want to support some really smart and nice computer programmers that are going through stuff that I can't even imagine uh, in their Aww. home country of Ukraine, that's where they're based. And, you know, that company, you know, every time I hear from the people there, they're just fantastic folks. So you know that you're working with a good company.
1: And I want to make sure we are hearing what you're saying. So it's S E T A P P dot com. Correct. App. You got it. That's Um, it. I might get this. Does anybody have a referral code for me? (laughs)
0: <laughs> we'll have to generate one for you. There's a lot of great stuff on here. You can just go to the website and you can look around. There's And this like, is Mac only. Correct. These are all okay. Mac specific software. Some of them will work on the iPhone iPad if they have an iOS. But like there's Ulysses, which is a fantastic little note-taking app. I've already mentioned the bartender that's in there. There's like okay. little tiny things for things. Like a clean shot X is another really nifty uh, screenshotter that you can do. I like using Snagit a lot, but you know, Mm, then MindNode is an excellent mind mapping. I mean, just go to the website. You can look through all of it. You can try it for a few days on a trial perspective. And you know, the great thing about it is that if you don't like it, (laughs) you can stop using it, but I guarantee you, you'll find enough of the software in there that it'll pay for itself. And then, you know, you're just supporting the development of those apps over and over as well.
1: You know, I just thought of something that we hadn't talked about. So I'm going to sort of swing in that direction, but it has to do with this. So I was just thinking, okay, great. So I'm going to pay $10 a month. I get dozens of subscriptions and chances are these are tried and true programs. I don't have to worry about them putting a virus on my Mac. So talk to me real quick just about um, the situation with Macs and viruses, which they do get viruses. Yes. Ask me how I know. So should I run an antivirus on my Mac or should I just be careful?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know what Jeff's going to answer, but I would say no, it's not necessary to run antivirus on your Mac. Should and please you,
1: don't actually.
0: Yeah, you could, <laughs> but so, so here's the way that I approach a lot of this because you're absolutely right, Adriana. It's not that Macs never get viruses or there's never any malware, but at least so far... For the majority of the Mac's life, it's mostly been security by obscurity, right? In the sense that if you were a bad person and you wanted to write some software to affect the most number of people as possible, would you write malware for the Mac operating system or for Windows? You're probably going to go Windows, right? You're going to put your efforts into that. Now, that doesn't mean that there are exploits and there are like a lot of security hacks. The difference is, and Jeff can talk a lot about this as well, is that apple has such a huge focus on the security component of there and so again if there's something that they want to patch if there's a security patch or something that they need to fix they will do that usually in a point or a dot o uh you know type of an upgrade throughout throughout the months and you know it, it there's just a lot of things on the mac that that don't allow for what we typically have seen from a ransomware perspective or from a virus perspective that would affect a lot of stuff it just it doesn't happen in the the way on the Mac. Some of that, again, is just by design, the way that the Mac and the operating system is designed. But Apple also, because again, they control both the software on the hardware. A lot of that can be avoided a lot of times too.
2: Yeah. A few years ago, my wife uh, encountered something on her Mac where because of some pop-up ad on some website mm-hmm. or something like that, it had taken over her browser and made it yep. that it kept pop-up windows. It was a real pain and it took us a while to get it off. And so that just shows you that Macs can be infected. Having said that, If you use a PC and you don't use virus software, I think you're (laughs) committing malpractice. (laughs) Yes, but if you're (laughs) but if you're using a Mac. I would say just the opposite. I actually do not, I think that the, it's gonna end up slowing down your computer unnecessarily and getting in the way. You really don't need virus software. Um, there are a couple of things here and there and the, like websites you can you know get access to that you may have to work around, but you can work around those should they come. I don't think, um, I, I would not encourage you to install virus or other types of malware protection software on a Mac, unlike with a strong emphasis, the PC where you absolutely <laughs> and- positively need it.
1: And I agree with you. It's funny, I had my brother had a virus on his Mac and it was the same kind of as browser based. And it took me a while to figure out how to get it off, but I got it off of there. And everyone, for those of you with PC users, don't that are PC users, don't forget Windows comes with Windows Defender, right. Runs a lot of security, antivirus, anti-malware, anti-spam if you're running Microsoft 365. So you're typically okay. And I do not encourage you to go buy it. McAfee or Norton for your PC. I encourage you to have the latest version of Windows, make sure it's updated and always running Windows Defender. You guys, the last thing I want to ask you about, because I know this has been a long show and I really appreciate it, but, and it's a little bit of a flashback to hardware. What about printers and scanners? Can I buy any printer and any scanner now and any other camera, or do I have to buy Mac specific peripherals?
2: You, I mean, you do need to buy stuff that says that it works with the Mac because there are still driver issues, just like the old days. And so if you're buying, whether it's a you know laser printer or an inkjet printer or whatever, you're gonna to wanna to make sure that it says works with the Mac on the box. Most of them are going to, so it's not gonna be a big deal to find that. Now cameras and stuff, that's not really an issue because if it's a nicer DSLR camera, you're gonna have some sort of an SD card or, or one of those types of things. And of course, for most people, the best camera that they have is the iPhone. And the iPhone, again, is gonna work much more seamless with the Mac than it will with the pc so that's something that you need to think about um scanners too scanners is one area where sometimes you know some scanners will only work with the pc and other scanners will work with the mac i will tell you that i often find that the scanner and printers the software that comes with them for the mac i often find to be unnecessary because the mac built-in software handles it just fine and i don't even bother installing Great. the third-party software whereas on a pc it probably is safer just to go ahead and use the software that they provide you.
1: Okay. Well, where I want to end is I want to give a couple of our favorite tips. I have one that I I can, I only have one that I can think of, although I did give function delete as one of my favorites. The other one that I love, if you're a Mac user and you haven't figured out how the space bar allows you to preview a file, whether it's on your desktop or you're in Finder, it's freaking awesome. And I wish Windows had that. So Mac users, Single click on any file anywhere on your computer and just tap the space bar. It's gonna open up preview and give you a preview of that file before you commit to opening it. Brett, do you have Uh, one like that?
0: That's such a good one. I love it. That that officially is called Quick Look on the the Mac. And I think this is weird because some things, and even the one, my favorite tip, I think has almost been copied now by Windows 10 and 11. I'm not not pointing fingers. I'm just saying (laughs) that today I know some of it because I think there is a similar like a preview, right? On the Windows side you can do. But I use that all the time, Adriana, to where I don't even use, I don't even click on a file. I simply just open up the finder, which is what it's called in Windows. It's the file explorer, right? But I opened up my yep, finder yep. And I've got a list of files and I'll just use my up and down arrow to highlight the file. And then my other hand, my left hand, usually I'm hitting the space bar to just open. Yeah. It. And once I hit the space bar and it's open, I still hit the use the down arrows and it just previews the Scrolls. next file, next file, next file. It's just fantastic. I love it. In a similar way, one of the things that I like in Mac laptops is the huge trackpad that you have, (laughs) number one. Now again, a lot of Windows computers now will have something similar and I've seen this, but I use something that Apple officially calls mission control. And all that is, Mm. is I'm taking three fingers and I'm swiping three fingers up on the trackpad. And what that does is it gives me an entire view of all of my open windows. So I'm doing this multiple times throughout the day. If I want to say, oh, you know, I could use command tab, like alt tab mm-hmm. on windows, command tab will, you will, know, give me a way to switch to different apps, but I will do mission control, three finger swipe up. I see all my windows and it, oh, there's my calendar. And I click on it and then it comes to the forefront. I love that. Excellent. Or in a way, and also, and I think they call this file expose, kind of a weird name, but it's, let's say yeah. that I have got, I got four Microsoft. Not for <laughs> I've got four Microsoft Word documents open. Um, I need to switch to the other one, right? Well, instead of three fingers up, I'll do three fingers down. And instead of showing all my open windows, that will only show me the four open Microsoft Word documents.
1: like an... In-app. Exactly.
0: And then I just click into the one that that I want. So I'm using that all that has, I I even had to think about like, how do I do it? Because I don't even know. It's so muscle memory now, but I'm constantly interacting with my operating system that way and all the windows that I have open. Because exactly what you said, I've got multiple PDFs and Outlook and Windows and Calendar and Word and everything that's open in browsers all the time and multiple tabs.
2: So that's a
1: good way that I do it. Okay, Jeff, you got one for us? That's a good one. Both of those.
2: As I mentioned before, one of the things that I love most about the Mac is uh, not just the stuff that you can do inherently with the device, but the way that it works so seamlessly with other Apple devices. Because the thing is, you know, you always should use the best device for the task. You know, when it comes to notifications, my Apple Watch might be the best thing. When it comes to, you know, just a quick jotting off a note, my iPhone is best. For some things, my iPad is best. For some things, my Mac is best. Um, But it's nice that you can seamlessly work between them. So Apple has a whole range of technology that they 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 put under the umbrella of continuity. Right. And men, in fact, mm-hmm. I mentioned one part of it before that you can take a mouse on the Mac and move it mm-hmm. over to an iPad. That's cool. um, but one super simple thing that you don't need to do anything, it's turned on by default. Um, it's called universal clipboard. And what it means mm-hmm. is that if I am using a Mac and I see something like a website or something, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm going to want to look at this later on my iPad when I'm sitting on my couch, you can just copy the address or copy the text or copy anything on a Mac, copy a picture, copy anything. And then if you then immediately turn to your iPad, and if your iPad is within a few feet of your computer, you know, if it's sitting there at the desk with you, you can just paste. And it knows that the last thing that you copied was from the Mac and it pastes it on the iPad. And of course it works in reverse too. You can copy from the iPad or the iPhone and paste on the Mac. And it's just one of those examples of something that just works. And even though I've been doing it for a long time, I still sometimes feel like it's magic. It's like, how does uh-huh. it know that that's a, and of course we know how it works and it seems simple, but it's just so useful and it's so efficient. And boy, I miss that on my PC.
1: Yeah, I would too.
0: This is so fun. Let's just have a whole show on Mac tips, Adriana. Oh This my God, is, this is good. Okay. I love well, these.
1: I don't want to take away from your <laughs> podcast, which I was just about to say. Everyone, please make sure you go visit Jeff's blog. The I- is it the iPhone JD, Jeff, or just iPhoneJD.com?
2: just iPhoneJD.com. And for the podcast, it's just inthenewspodcast.com.
1: And then Brett, you've got some great resources online too.
0: Yeah. I would say though, today, I mean, I feel like the the Mac lawyer movement, (laughs) there's still Mac lawyers that are out there, but I feel like it had a little bit more of a heyday back in the day because we had like Ben Stevens I mentioned I don't think yeah. his blog is active anymore I actually had a blog maxinlaw.com, and I haven't updated that in a, in a couple of years unfortunately um, so
1: Jeff you're it you're everything I,
0: I know and so I tell people you know the iPhone JD because even though it's iPhone don't 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 get don't get right. size swiped by that Jeff and I talk about all kinds of technology uh, just another one quickly I would say David Sparks who's a good friend of all of ours yes he's an mm-hmm. attorney or it used to be a full attorney out in California. He has now made sort of the the full move to like an Apple thought leader out there, but he still has fantastic uh, yes. stuff that he puts on his blog called Max Sparky. MaxSparky.com. Max and Jeff is even uh, a member of his, like he's got his his little club that like he a has. a mastermind group. Right, but it's a great way to get involved. And David is always so kind. He'll answer questions about yes. like how to practice, you know, when he was a lawyer. Uh, and then the last thing quickly, I would just say there has been a Google group that Has been around for many, many years called Max in Law Offices. And we call it Milo for short. Max in Law Offices. Now it's a Google group, so you gotta, you gotta Google for it. It's like groups.google slash groups slash Milo groups. So you'll find it once you once you Google around for it. But you're welcome to join that if you're a Mac. There's no uh, requirement, cost. you know, to get our yeah. cost at all. You can just join that. And there's a few folks that stay active in, you know, posting questions. And there's some folks that are active about answering questions, and there's just a whole lot of lurkers out there, you know, they just kind of follow along. But that's another good resource. If you're a Mac user, that's one that's still active today.
1: That's awesome. You guys, I feel like we could do this like you do. Well, actually you do this on your podcast all the time, but I very, very much appreciate your time. I know it's the middle of the workday for everyone, but thank you so much for, for coming on new solo and with my my special Mac issue I've been wanting to do for a very long time, you can reach out to Jeff at iPhoneJD.com. Brett can always be reached through BernieConsultants.com. And um, I just wanna say thank you so very much. This was a lot of fun, I wish we had more time. Brett, you need to come to New Orleans so we can all have a face-to-face nerd out. We can have Ernie
0: come uh, around,
1: Craig Balls here in town. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of us living we'll, here in New We'll have
0: a Mac Mardi Gras, it'll be great, I, I can't wait. <laughs>
1: All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. I know this was a long episode, but I hope it was helpful for those of you in the Mac world or thinking about Macs. And of course, we've listed some great resources for you. I look forward to our next episode. And if you enjoyed what you've heard today, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share this episode with any of your other Mac-loving lawyers. I've been running from nine to five Been biting my tongue for all this time Won't let anyone cut me short